excitement going on there. Scores! Roll the highlight reel. Six to nothing flame. Yankees put it in the wind column. Yeah, baby, yeah, baby, yeah, baby. This is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get this hour going. It is Thursday, December 28th. 2023. Got to specify that because 2024 is right around the corner. Steinberg and Aaron Vickers of NHL.com as we get this hour going. It's time for the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. Uh, We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is time for an annual tradition. It is one of our last hours of 2023 because we've got a show on Friday. We'll do a couple of of hours for you on Friday. Nothing on Saturday. Sunday's a post-game show after the Flames and Philadelphia Flyers on New Year's Eve. And then uh, January 2nd, we're back to, you know, the regular schedule. So only a few hours left of Flames talk in the calendar year of 2023. And so it's time to do some year-in-review content. And we're going to kick it off with the top five moments of 2023. And i got to be honest with you. The top five moments of 2022 were easier because uh, there was a lot in 2022, both on the ice. You know, you had uh, you had the the overtime winner. You had some playoff moments. The overtime winner, of course, being Johnny, Johnny Gaudreau. Game seven. Like there were some really good on ice moments in 2022. There were also some bonkers off ice moments. There was the trade with Florida. There was the signing of Kadri. Like 2022 was tailor made little bit more difficult to find some great off on ice moments rather off ice was easy but really difficult to come up with some great on ice moments in the calendar year of 2023 i i won't i won't lie <laughs> it has been a pretty dismal year for kind of right home on ice moments for the flames now i did come up with a few Yes, hopefully they, I, hopefully they, they jog some positive memories. But, you know, the first half of 2023 was the death march to missing the playoffs for the Flames. And then there was the very noteworthy summer, which shows up multiple times, or very noteworthy offseason, which shows up multiple times in our top five. And then to start this year, there's been some comebacks. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know if there's anything that you're looking like, man. These are the now these are the moments for the Calgary Flames. These it's just been that kind of calendar year. It's not been one to write home about overall of the 363 days or two days that we have lived through 2023 thus far. No, uh, in fact, in compiling this list and, and swapping a few ideas. I'm not certain I had any on ice, Patrick. <laughs> I think it was all you guiding the ship on the what what good happened on the ice. Is he plenty of off ice stuff? Which we will get to. Which we'll get to. But coming up with on ice, like it wasn't a banner, banner calendar year, yeah. year for the Calgary Flames, unfortunately. Well, let's get to it. Uh, let's start with moment number five. Uh, and this is kind of a dual moment. So we take you back to March 6th. And March 7th of 2023, Calgary Flames trying to keep themselves 
in this Western Conference playoff race that, you know, they really had not fallen completely out of, but they had been chasing a season basically since October when they lost those seven consecutive after a pretty good start to the season. Uh, So we'll start on March 6th. They were in Dallas taking on the Stars. And the Stars had erased a 4-2 lead in the third period. With less than six minutes to go, Jamie Benn had tied the game 4-4. And then Nick Ritchie. Remember, he was a flame. Nick Ritchie. Nobody's forgetting Nick Ritchie. Many, I think, already have. Shootout. (laughs) That would not have made the top five list. No, no, it definitely would not. Nick Ritchie with less than three minutes to go in a 4-4 tie in regulation where the Flames had coughed up a 4-2 lead, takes a boarding penalty, a dumb boarding penalty, sends the Stars to the power play with an opportunity to win it in regulation. But a gutsy kill for the Flames, so it's still 4-4, and we take you into the final minute of play. Big hit by Weger, who clocks Haskinen, and now a break the other way to Foley. Scores! Foley with 4.7 seconds remaining in regulation time scores on a breakaway and gives the Flames a 5 to 4 lead. Yeah, that uh, didn't see that one coming. How do you give away a clean breakaway with less than five seconds to go? But they did. Dallas, who had just had the power play, was pushing to win the game in regulation. A couple of. Uh, ill-advised risks taken to fully break away and he scores a no doubter flames win at 5-4 in a, in regulation and they then rolled into Minnesota the very next night on March 7th with all that momentum and they're taking on a wild team that is very good themselves and the wild are dominating through regulation the wild at a 38-23 edge in shots the shot attempts were even more lopsided but it was still 0-0 Jacob Markstrom who had been belaggered all season long we know that but he was playing at that time on March 7th the best game of his season no question and was pitching a shutout off to overtime we go. Jared Spurgeon scores in overtime, but he doesn't. It is called back on an offside challenge, and XL Energy Center in St. Paul is going nuts. They're throwing things on the ice. They shot it, thought it should have counted. It was borderline, but they called it offside, so nobody scores in overtime. Off to a shootout we go to Foley won at the night before in Dallas and then had the game on his stick in a shootout. Fourth flame shooter. Their leader in goals and points, and the hero in a 5-4 victory over the Stars last night, Tyler Foley. Picks it up at center, skates it up the left-wing side, glides slowly to the net, to Foley, shoots, and Gustafson pinches his pads together. No! It goes in! It went in! The Flames have won! Tyler Toffoli finds the five hole of Philip Gustafson. And for a second straight night, he is the hero. The Flames defeat the Wild one to nothing in the shootout and moved it within four points of a Stanley Cup playoff spot. Holy smokes. It was a holy smokes game. And the Flames would win back-to-back games on back-to-back nights on the road, Dallas and in Minnesota, both in buzzer-beating or last-minute fashion. As we know, they didn't end up making the playoffs, but there were very few down-the-stretch 
banner moments or fun moments. Those were a couple of them. Jacob Markstrom ended up pitching a 40-save shutout and was great in the shootout. Uh, so those were th- those were two really big moments that I remember vividly from the first half of the calendar year of 2023. Four points in 24 hours just after the NHL trade deadline while the Calgary Flames are still trying to chase down the Winnipeg Jets. That was... That was a key two-game set. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, the Calgary Flames obviously didn't make the playoffs, but at that moment, the, that 24-hour span gave the Calgary Flames a lot of hope. And and it also did because finally the Flames had a shutout. They had not yeah. had a shutout all season long until Jacob what? pitched a 40-save goose egg. Vladar didn't have one. Markstrom hadn't had one. We know the goaltending was such a problem last season. Finally, a shutout, which was huge, too. Well, and the duo had, what, 10 or 11 at that point the season prior. So to go that late in the season without a single blanking of the opponent just kind of highlights the fact that the Calgary Flames didn't get the goaltending they needed a year ago. And to a degree, I think that's changed through the first 35-ish games this year. So March 6th and 7th, 2023, number five on your top five moments of 2023. Let's uh, just uh, jump ahead about a month. On April 12th, the Flames had been eliminated from playoff contention two days prior in a shootout loss to Nashville. The Nick Ritchie shootout that Vickers uh, had mentioned earlier. Uh, But it was game 82 of 82. That was all the Flames were going to play that year. No playoffs. But because Game 82 was rendered meaningless, meant that they could do a few things. Meant they could reinsert Jacob Pelche into the lineup. He should have been playing, but he wasn't. Yeah. It also meant that they could debut a couple of players. Dustin Wolf made his NHL debut on April 12th. And Matt Coronado, who had signed about a month prior, made his NHL debut on April 12th. Wolf picked up the win. He made 23 stops on 24 shots. And in Matt Coronado's NHL debut, he played 14-38. He had four shots and six attempts in a pretty good debut for himself as well. And it was just a little bit of hope. It was a little bit of optimism and positivity at the end of just a nightmarish season for the Calgary Flames. The debuts of Dustin Wolf and Matt Coronado. A little glimpse into the future for the Calgary Flames. And I... Some people, namely Wolf and Coronado, might call that a little less meaningless game. Yes, but for sure. The one thing that I really kind of... It's funny how the hockey world works sometimes because Dustin Wolf made his debut against the San Jose Sharks. The San Jose Sharks goalie coach, Thomas Spear, Wolf's goalie coach throughout his career growing up. So like a little bit of synergy there where... And the, he's a no-cal guy. And he, yeah, exactly. And Loved his buddy it. Henry Thrun was playing on the other side. Yeah, no, that was Coronado's buddy. Oh, sorry. Because they yeah, were teammates at Harvard. No, that's my bad. But that also, was Coronado's buddy. Yes. Was it, wasn't when Nabok- did Dustin Wolf play at Harvard? Wasn't Nabokov Dustin Wolf's favorite goalie yeah. growing up as yeah. well? Nabokov is with the Sharks organization as well. I don't know if he was last, last April or not, but he is with the organization now. So just a lot of little footnotes in the debut of both Matt Coronado and Dustin Wolf. Thank you for, I was getting all excited. Yeah, Henry Thrunge. No, no, he was Coronado's teammate at Harvard where Dustin Wolf did not play. Anyway, then there was also this on April 12th. Just, <laughs> you know, it was just a little footnote on top of everything else. who shoots and scores! Nikita Zadorov completes his hat trick. 
his first career multi-goal game, and he's got three, and here come the hats. It is the Flames three and the Sharks one. That would end up being your final score. Nikita Zadorov scores all three goals in Dustin Wolf and Matt Coronado's debut. That is number four on our top five moments of 2023. Let's skip ahead. September 27th. And this was a very significant day because it felt like this had been trending in this direction for a few weeks. Even a few months, it had felt like this. I remember when you and I were in Nashville for the NHL draft and the NHL awards, and Michael Backlund would end up winning the King Clancy Memorial Award uh, in in Nashville, and just what that meant to him, the emotions. You and I had a chance to talk to him before and after. We saw him on the red carpet. We saw him in the uh, media room afterwards, and he was glowing. It it meant a lot to him. He flew in from Sweden, was jet lagged (laughs) all hell. Um, I mean, a couple nights in Nashville will do that to you too. Yeah, yeah. And and speaking from personal experience, he, he got after it. And, and as he should have. Um, and and he won this very meaningful award. And the Flames made that award even more meaningful for him in June. You know, they put together an incredible video package for him. The King Clancy Memorial Award is all about the impact you make in your community. And the Flames put together and the foundation put together this, this video that was basically thanking all the people or many people that Michael has touched over the years. Um, you know, thanking him for what he's done. And, you know, he got emotional before the awards. He won the award. He got an emotional, he got emotional there. And I really feel that that was one of the big things that started to trend us towards September 27th, which was when Michael Backlund signed a two-year contract extension with the Flames and was named the 21st captain in Calgary Flames history. Remember, Vix, he wanted to change the scenery mm-hmm. or was hinting at that on locker cleanout day. And I think he did very heavily consider a change of scenery for quite some time. But then things changed over the summer. And for Michael, things really changed once he got back to Calgary uh, early in September. Once we got back here, you just could feel the appreciation and love from the, the fans, the community of Calgary, all the people, and uh, also uh the management the coaches and my teammates and uh, it was great to be back here and see everyone and get to meet the new coaches and uh yeah so it just it just felt special coming back and it felt like this is where we belong and uh, when you put everything together the pros and cons and um which we actually did. <laughs> That's what Craig said. That yeah. Like the pros just were, were way yeah. too many, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and end of the day, too, uh, you know, we underperformed last year. I think this is a great hockey team. There's a lot of good players, a lot of talent on the team, and we just didn't live up to expectations. And guys coming in this year and just want to show they're better. So, because um, I do still, that's my main thing. I want to win and I want to push this team to win. And my biggest dream is to win in, in Calgary. And um, we also want to put that aside because, you know, it's hard to pick who's going to win next year. Yeah. It's hard to pick who's going to win in two years. And if we take that aside, we're like, where, where are we at? Um, we love it here in Calgary. It's home. It's where our kids were born. Uh, kids love their lives here. Uh, we have a really good life, me and Frida as well. Um, a great group of girls, great teammates, um, you know, all the new uh, coaches and management, all the little changes, you know, uh, you can just feel the energy and everything around here it was so positive and in uh, good vibes. So, you know, we just felt, uh, yeah, this is, uh, and also like the two special parts to also 
that we could control was to be named captain and potentially uh, play a thousand games. So it just yep. felt like uh, this is where we belong. This is uh, where we're supposed to be, and this is where we want to be. So on September 27th, Michael Backlund was named the 21st captain in franchise history, also signed a two-year contract extension. It just felt like a long time coming, and it was it was pretty neat to see the C on his jersey, on, on the other C on his jersey on the shoulder. It was pretty neat to see Captain Calgary uh, named, and the Flames hadn't had a captain for the prior two seasons. It seemed automatic the second that extension was signed, and they were announced in conjunction with each other. But how many players did we hear say, oh, it's a no-brainer who the next captain oh, yeah. should be? That's because Michael Backlund was just such a clear-cut favorite to be the next captain, both outside of the room and within it. Uh, our number two moment of 2023. We take you back to, uh, well, it's a couple of moments. I call this the goodbyes. We start on April 17th of 2023, just five days after the end of the regular season. This was uh, Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation CEO John Beam. Earlier today, we announced that the Calgary Flames and Brad Tree Living have mutually agreed to part ways. Brad's contract expires on June 30th, and he will not return as the Flames' general manager for next season. On behalf of the Flames' ownership, management, and fans, we want to sincerely thank Brad for his nine years of dedication to our organization and our city. You'd be hard-pressed to find a harder worker and a harder manager than Brad. He brought the best to the rink each and every day, and for that, we were very grateful. But as an organization, we need to move on. We're pleased to announce that Don Maloney has been promoted to president of hockey operations effective immediately. He will also hold the position of interim general manager. Don joined us back in 2016 and has held the position of senior vice president of hockey operations since 2017. Don's experience is extensive and includes nine seasons as the executive vice president and general manager of the Arizona Coyotes, and 10 seasons as a member of the New York Rangers front office, serving as the team's vice president of player personnel and assistant general manager. Don's first priority will be to help us secure the services of a new general manager, and that's a process that will begin today. And we all knew Brad Treliving stepping away or not coming back was a possibility, and yet on April 17th, it was still a massive shock to me. I just, I thought they were going to figure it out. I thought, in a lot of ways, it just felt like Tree was going to be the GM in perpetuity. Yeah. And then he wasn't. It was it was a very strange day. That abrupt. I see. A perfect word. It was very abrupt. I get a word right every now and then. And sure I feel did. like abrupt fit the uh, bill when, you know, you're gathered down to the media lounge at Scotiabank Saddledome, the Ed Whalen media lounge. And Tree's not here. Yeah. He's not coming back. And you could see it coming to a degree. Seemed like there was a lot of butting of heads. But until it actually happens, you don't necessarily think it's going to happen. And lo and behold, Calgary Flames have a GM vacancy. So taking over, as you heard, was Don Maloney as uh, the VP of Hockey Ops and interim general manager. Before naming his next general manager... One of Don Maloney's first tasks was doing a deep dive on the organization. That deep dive led to the firing of Daryl Sutter exactly two weeks later. 
Uh, two weeks after Brad Living stepped away on May 1st with Don Maloney at the reins, the announcement was made about Daryl Sutter's future and firing, and he told Flames Talk why the decision was made. I started with the players, and you, you interview each individual player, and, and, and these were not your typical uh, exit day interviews, um, which are usually maybe a five or ten minute uh, thanks for season, what are you doing this summer? Good luck. This was more of an in-depth look at, uh, at, 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 at their opinions on the team, uh, where we're at, um, how we get better, improve. Um, so 25 players, coaching staff, training staff, support staff, including uh, mental skills coach Matt yep. Brown, who has very good insights into what the players are thinking and and the staff are thinking quite frankly and uh had a two and a half hour uh debrief with daryl himself um talked to agents of prominent players to get their sense of uh what happened here from uh, from what they're hearing from their players and and it came it became clear that we we it, it, we probably need a new voice and this is not necessarily a, a, a a slight on Daryl and who he is, a good person, good coach. It's just the reality of uh, today's NHL and the demands in that position that every three or four years yep. uh, they, there's a shelf life and the players stop listening and they, the message uh, – is hard for them to take, and it's time to time to make it make a change. So Don Maloney announced the firing of Daryl Sutter on May first. And I know it has not been a resounding success. Like it hasn't been so the results haven't been so much better in the 35 games since, but that doesn't mean the move didn't still have to be made because Vix it, it did. They they needed to make that change. Well, and the thing that kind of drove that point home the most for me was locker cleanout day where you had a lot of players be very non-committal about their futures with the organization. And some still are, or we don't know necessarily know the status or situation of several pending unrestricted free agents. But when you have the guy that was your eventual captain go, oh, we'll, we'll kind of see how this goes out to a degree. Like, change had to be made throughout the organization. We saw it with Bradshaw Living leaving, and we saw it with Daryl Sutter's removal as head coach of the organization. Uh, so that is your number two moment, uh, kind of two combined. April 17th and May 1st, a couple of goodbyes. Brad True Living first and then Daryl Sutter, which leads us to number one on our top five moments of 2023. Uh, a new era begins, and it started on May 23rd, less than a month after Brad True Living stepped down. And 22 days after Daryl Sutter's firing, the Flames announced their new general manager, kind of a coronation and uh, the next step up. For current GM, Craig Conroy. When I took the job, my goal was to become a general manager. And I thought that was always the goal. And I always thought it wasn't going to be Calgary. But now that it is Calgary, I know Calgary was the dream job for me. That's looking back. I didn't think it would be here, but this is the dream job for me and I might not say that in a couple months <laughs> but uh, you know right now that that's the way I feel uh, so I just uh, you know I'm ready for this to accept this next challenge and promise to our fans I'm going to do everything I can you know to bring another Stanley Cup here Lanny brought it once I'm hoping I can be a part of bringing here with all these guys uh, again thank you so that was uh, Craig Conroy's introductory news conference and again I know that they're a below 500 team to the first 35 games. 
I and Conroy's made a couple of big moves already. The the Toffoli deal and and now the Zadorov deal. Still think that we're waiting on Craig to put his final stamp on the organization. Yeah, I think that's or 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 not even final stamp, but first big stamp on the organization. Well, setting the path for the organization because there's several decisions that he's made already and still has yet to make in terms of personnel and in terms of which route the Calgary Flames go. I just think back to that day, and I don't know if you know this, Pat, I was at the World Championship at that time, so I wasn't at the press conference, but what that allowed me to do was talk to Mackenzie Weger essentially within an hour of that um, announcement being made, and you could feel the energy coming off of Weger as a result of the energy that radiates off of Craig Conroy, the positivity, the smiles, just the general attitude. It was very much a changing of the guard, if you will, in terms of the atmosphere and the mood around the team and its players and its coaching staff and its management because Craig Conroy is such a positive person and we had seen so much negativity surrounding the Calgary Flames in the season leading up to the offseason of all the moves. You could tell from a from a player perspective in talking to Mackenzie Weger that day that the Calgary Flames made the right choice. And then a few weeks later, on June 12th, the first big move from Craig Conroy was hiring the guy that I think was number one on his list right from the get-go. And, and Craig Conroy went through a lot of different names before naming this man head coach. But I, I believe Ryan Huska was the preferred candidate right from the get-go. And on June 12th, he was introduced as head coach and told Flames Talk that he is ready for this opportunity. There's two things with that. Um, the first one is my knowledge of the players. I, I think that's that's a really important thing. And, and some people look at it as, well, that might be a negative thing because he's been around the room and... Um, it might not be something you want a fresh voice in there, whatever the case may be. But I look at it the opposite way. Uh, it's a positive thing where I have a, a relationship with these guys already. So there isn't that phase where you got to figure each other out. Um, you know, and then I keep going back to the experiences that I've had. And, and people always say, well, it's it, going from an assistant to a head coach within the same team is not an easy thing to do. Um, but I don't buy that, you know, I really don't, because I feel like that's part of the process that I had to go through. Um, now I have an understanding of the demands that are on players, that are on the staff. Um, I understand the travel. I understand that everything that comes along with being in the NHL. And I would say that, you know, when you're younger, and it's the same from when I went from junior to the American League, you're like, yeah, this is going to be easy, no problem. And you find out pretty, pretty quickly that it's hard. Um, and Brad, Brad Treleving told me one time early on, like, if you go up there and you're not ready for it, they will chew you up and spit you out. And I hit him like, come on, I'm ready for this. Yeah. And then you realize pretty quickly, no, I'm not. So maybe my long-winded answer for you is um, I realize now there is no hesitation. Um, I am confident that I can do this job now, and I'm, I'm extremely excited about this opportunity. So on June 12th, Ryan Huska named head coach of the Calgary Flames. And again, I know that the record is not, you're not celebrating the record right now. I do like the way this group is playing for him. And and through 35 games, I think that he is establishing a new baseline in terms of work ethic and compete. I don't mind the job that he's done so far. I think he's done a pretty good job considering some circumstances, some underachieving players, so on and so forth. Um, I still think that, going Conroy and Huska for the new era were the right choices. 
I think it's the right tone for the organization at the right time. And as you mentioned, we haven't seen the results necessarily bear out that thought. But at the same time, the, the Saddle Dome is just a much warmer place for players, for the organization as a whole. That still has to translate into wins and points. But we'll see what's to come with this Calgary Flames team, the direction they take and the steps that they have to take in order to become that winning franchise. So to count them down one more time, uh, number five, that March 6th and 7th trip, those wins in Dallas and Minnesota. Number four, April 12th, Dustin Wolf and Matt Coronado make their debut. Number three, September 27th, Michael Backlund re-signs and is named captain. Number two, the goodbyes, April 17th, Brad Living departs. May 1st, Daryl Sutter is fired. And number one, May 23rd, the new era begins with the announcement of Craig Conroy as general manager. Then a few weeks later on June 12th, Ryan Huska installed as head coach, the 24th head coach in Calgary Flames history. There you have it, your top five moments of 2023. We're coming at you this hour from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems, they're all things basement visit dlbasementsystems.com you're locked on flames talk only on sportsnet 960 the fan all right let's go inside hockey for calgary co-op this hockey season support local find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers visit your local calgary co-op wine spirits beer today and uh, let's say hello to our Pacific Division insider. It's time to catch up with what's happening around the Pacific Division with our buddy Jonathan Davis from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. He joins us every week as our Pacific Division insider. Hello, JD. How are we doing? Pat, we're doing great. How are you? I'm doing well, my friend. Doing very well. We got lots to talk about in this Pacific Division and uh, I guess we got to start. The, the Vancouver Canucks just don't stop being a story, man. They are they just remain near the top of the NHL and not just in the standings. Like they are, if not number one, then close to number one in all kinds of different statistical categories right now. Yeah, you know, look, if they were a stock like about, you know, maybe about three weeks ago, I was kind of like not sure if I'm buying or not, or at least not making a big investment. But man, I wish I did because they've they're just doing everything right i mean most most regulation wins in the nhl they you know they put the sleeper hold on you if they lead after two periods they're a perfect 20 0 and 0 no nobody other than montreal who's 8 0 and 0 has yet to lose a game when leading after two periods uh you know you've got the what the fir- the third the ninth and the tenth uh player in the scoring race with Hughes, miller and Petey. uh you know you got Thatcher demko up at the top of most goalie categories. And then, you know, if the if their best players aren't playing well, well, then ho-hum, you've got that, you know, recently created line of Dakota Joshua and Teddy Bluger and Connor Garland that are chipping in. So, you know, try to find a hole right now in this lineup. It, it's pretty darn hard. Yeah, they are. And, and I mean, the, the numbers for Miller, Hughes, Pedersen, Demko, like, they just continue to pop off. Yeah, and you know, look, we all, you know, we said it for quite some, you know, pretty much all season long, Pat. You know, if your best players are your be- end up being your best players during the course of a season, then you're more likely to win, and that's exactly what's happening. So, you know, and then you know, look, if Thatcher Demko takes a night off, you know, he's given the night off by Rick Tockett. Well, then Casey DeSmith comes in, 
and and he'll usually get you at least a point uh, in his game. So, you know, it, it's they, they put themselves in a really good situation uh, as you know the calendar is about to flip. Where and and what and they've they've never lost they haven't lost more than two games in a row this season. Yeah. I mean, no prolonged losing streaks. So they've only had two two game losing streaks, and that's the most that's the longest losing streak that they've had this year. So, yeah. you know, again. I mean, try try to find something wrong with them. I, I know that I, I, I guess you know what the analytic people will say that Demko's facing way too many shots and it it's got to catch up. We'll see. I mean, I think that the two goalies combined have faced over a thousand shots this year. I'll be honest with you, I don't know where that ranks amongst the rest of the teams in the league. It sounds like a really big number. So I guess if you're trying to you know if you're looking for some sort of failure, does that catch up with them? I don't know. It remains to be seen. It's been good so far. Well, and then there's the L.A. Kings who keep on rolling themselves. And I know they sit third in the Pacific right now, but they are right there in the first place conversation, aren't they? Yeah, they sure are. I mean, look, they've got games in hand on both Vegas and Vancouver. And, what, second in the league in points percentage. Uh, and, and that's really, you know, when it, you know points percentage. I mean, that's, that's the stat that you have to pay attention to with, with teams having games in hand. And again, another team that, that doesn't, doesn't find ways to beat themselves. You know, look, they went through a bit of a rough spot. They had gone through a stretch before, you know, your, your boys came to town where they had lost four or six, but you know, I don't really think that they played a bad, you know, I don't think Tom McClellan was too upset with a lot of the things with those losses, other than the fact they were on the wrong end, but I don't think they got out of what they were doing. You know, they just got beat, and that's going to happen to you. So uh, it, it has been impressive. And what Quinton Byfield, you know, continues to put up, you know, most impressive numbers. I think on pace for about 27 goals this year. I, I said before the season he needed to be in that 15-goal range. Well, if he keeps it up, he's more than, you know, he's well on his way to exceed things. And, uh, you know, we had a great thing last night. I mean, it still blows my mind, Pat, you know, for a guy that, you know, born in Montreal, raised in Toronto, and here I am last night in SoCal, and I got my choice. Do I go to Crypto.com for the Sharks and Kings, or do I do what I did and go to drive the 45 minutes from me down to Anaheim for the Golden Knights and the Anaheim Ducks? Yeah. I mean, it, it still blows my mind that we, we have those options here in California. Yeah, it's pretty neat. And and it's also uh not a bad place to live and uh the, the weather's okay as well. <laughs> not not bad for that guy raised in I've Toronto, right? Eh? Um yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about that game that you saw on Wednesday night. Uh Anaheim opens up the 4-0 lead and Vegas fights hard to come back but just couldn't. Rough rough start to that game and a rough night for Calgary kid Logan Thompson between the pipes, hey? Eh? Yeah, I mean, you had you had a Calgary player that Calgary native, or there that did you guys in? But yeah, Logan Thompson just looked very rusty for a guy that had you know missed some time from from an injury, and was seemed to be fighting it you know for the first, especially for the first twelve minutes of that game last night, and before you knew it, it was four nothing. And you know, I, I, I turned a friend in the press box last night, and I said I really felt next goal wins, and you know Vegas comes back with a pair, and they couldn't do what Arizona did to Colorado. But, man, they did everything but score last night. And, you know, the first period was one where, you, you know, you, you want to you know, burn the video on that one. They did a lot of things right after that. It wasn't good enough uh, at the end of the day, 
you know, to beat the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, you know, they just they just they, they work too hard. And, and that's what kind of, you know, concerns me for their game tonight, because, you know, I share the numbers with you. You know, you, you take a look at, at, at the uh, at the summary from last night's game and you've got, you know, Jack Eichel and Mark Stone both playing 23 minutes last night. Now, some will point to point and say, well, look, seven minutes of those were on the power play. But Pat, they expended a lot of energy like there was no quit. Vegas did everything they could. And those. Despite them being power play minutes, to me, those were still seven hard minutes that they did play on the power play. And I, I just think it kind of spells disaster for, for Vegas tonight uh, because they're going to play an L.A. team that, you know, was, was kind of awful in the first period against San Jose last night. And Tom McCullen benched Kevin Fiala for part of that period last night. And then L.A. just kind of, you know, did what they needed to do and came away with a 5-1 win. But they rolled four lines. and. You know, Kopitar played maybe 16 minutes, and Kempe didn't play much more, and Byfield only played a little over 11. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a fresh group tonight. And, you know, they're going to have Cam Talbot in net against the Golden Knights, and, and the Knights are likely to, uh, I would expect, to have Yuri Patera, uh, their third-string goalie, yeah. uh, in, in the nets for them. So it's not really a good spot for Vegas, who's now fi- finds themselves, you know, losers of four in a row. We are chatting with Jonathan Davis of NHL Network. He joins us each week. He's our Pacific Division insider, spinning us around the Pacific Division as we focus in on the Edmonton Oilers. Um, You know, they're right there with Calgary and a number of other teams in that mix, uh, in that wild card conversation. They've played the fewest games in that mix, but they also have got a bunch of teams to jump over. Give us a snapshot as to how things look for the Oilers. Well, I mean, there's zero margin for error. And, you know, when you get, you know, when Arizona ends up stealing, you know, not one, oh. but two points as they got that game to overtime Just last everybody night. Everybody in the West uh, is like, are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Well, did you did you see the video of Gorgiev after the game? I sure did. That stick and those poor oh. mullet arena boards never stood a chance. <laughs> they did not. Um, you know, so, look, uh, your Edmonton, you know, yeah, okay. What you're eight and three, or seven and three in your last, or you know, seven and three in your last ten, whatever it is, it just doesn't matter because as long as those teams ahead of you keep winning, well, it, it makes it tough. Now, Nashville loses last night to to Carolina. That that definitely helps. Yeah. But I mean, look, you know, Edmonton's got a stretch coming up. Uh, I think it's four of their next six games. They're definitely winnable games for them. Um, you know, at least. You know, you, you take a look at, at where teams are in the standings. And so, you know, those four games, uh, you know, they've got to come away with at least, I think, seven points just because they, they just don't have room to make mistakes. And they've got so much catching up to do. Now, look, they've got four games in hand on Nashville. That, 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 that you know, and you have to win those four games. It, it's, just, it's just really tough as long as Nashville and Arizona can find ways just to, you know, get a point here, get a point there, or get two like they did last night. I mean, I, you know, I think the only only, per, only people that were more upset than Gorgiev last night were probably the Edmonton Oilers saying, oh, my God, seriously, yeah. Colorado, what are you doing to us? Yeah, you're killing us. Um, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's wrap up in or, or with Seattle, who we saw here on Wednesday. And that was a uh, – that was pretty neat. Look, I mean, the Flames would have loved a better, uh, a better finish and a, and a better result. But you know, for Chris Drieger, that was a pretty cool story. The former Hitman goaltender comes into a rink he knows very well, 
It's been a rough few yeah. years for him. But, boy, he uh, he certainly had himself a great night against the Flames and, and did something he hasn't done in quite some time, and that's win an NHL hockey game. Yeah, two, uh, two years for him. And, look, you guys got goalied last night. It, it, it wasn't like it was a bad effort. I, I didn't think by the Flames. My, my, I mean, I didn't get to see a lot. I no, had I don't it on, think it was a poor you know, effort at all. Yeah, you know, you just, you, my, you know, your goalie, their goalie was better than yours. And um, so, yeah, it was a great story. It, it really was. One other thing I do want to throw out at you, Pat. And, yeah. You know, with, with the Ducks last night, one guy that continues, I, I, I'm convinced he will be the next captain of this team is Mason McCavish. Had a three-point night last night. Um, it, it was just you continue to watch this guy. And, and again, you look at this roster. Jamie Drysdale scored his first goal in over a year last night. Uh, the, the future is definitely bright with, with, the, with that Anaheim team. And, you know, bummed that Leo Carlson's, you know, we're going to miss some time. Thank God not season ending. No kidding. Uh, but, I, but, but Mason McTavish, who Canadians are very familiar with, he will wear a letter for this Ducks team. And I, I really think ultimately he will be the next captain. Yeah. And, and I got to say, You've been saying it since the beginning. Greg Cronin seems like he's really establishing a culture there, hey? He really is. You know, you, you, you talk to people who are there on a daily basis, and I was talking to a couple of the broadcasters yesterday, and the one thing that, you know, that they kept emphasizing was is that his communication level, even with them, uh, you know, is he, he, he'll dissect everything for them. And, you know, it's a big change after Randy Carlisle here for – a number of years, huh. um, but, but super, super impressed with Cronin. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, he, he has changed the culture big time in Anaheim and it, it's look, it, it's uh, it's a bit of a struggle and there's still, still a lot to be done, but the youth that they've got on this team, they've got the right guys. They've got the right guys. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, a guy like us, again, Mason McTavish, he'll steal your lunch money. And <laughs> run over his mother to win a game. There's no question in my mind, and that's that's what this team has been missing for a couple of years, you know. And so I think the future is bright, but there's you know there's still there's still some pain to be had along the way. Great stuff as always, JD. Uh, appreciate it. We will do it again next week, my friend. Have a uh, have a very happy new year. We'll talk to you. I hate when people say this, but I'll say it anyway. We'll talk to you in 2024. All right, bud. Take care. Always a, always, a, always a good time chatting. Have a good one. Thanks, buddy. Happy New Year to you and everyone. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, JD, Jonathan Davis is our Pacific Division insider. He joins us from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. He joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Let's go local Calgary from best from the West, Canadian produce to quality only Alberta meats. Find your local at Calgary Co-op shop online or in store today. As we start to wrap up this hour on Flames Talk, it's Steinberg along with you. Uh, Aaron Vickers is on Twitter at AA Vickers. Thanks to Taylor Dingman, our outstanding producer as well. This hour has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors.